Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's podcast. I uh, got a bunch of stuff to talk about, and of course, tonight is the virtual boy meetup at Next Level. So I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I just wanted to say that first off because I'm really excited about this. Also, shout out to Tony for the heavy metal slug T-shirt. Um, I'm wearing this for a new video that's very relevant. So I just wanted to say thanks again. Uh, I always like weird stuff like this. So thanks, dude. Anyway, let's jump right in. First up, Retro Access has just announced their new Dreamcast SCART cable that was designed by Dan, aka Citrus 3000 PSI. The cable can be switched between both 15 and 31 kHz modes, so 480p or 240p 480i, and will work on all devices. And this is the first production cable that I know of that is at least mass produced that is able to do so and work with all Sony BVM monitors. And that's kind of a big deal because all the solutions out there previously required some other kind of sync combining circuit if you're using BVMs. It was just kind of a weird way that, to skip to the end, uh, it was a weird way that the sync was combined that required you to add sync pulses. So I don't want to talk too long about this because I could probably go a half hour just on how that works. But uh, at the moment, what everybody needs to know is that both the Retro Access SCART and BNC cables will work on all Sony BVM monitors in both modes, including the H and A series, which are by far the most temperamental. Of course, for the 31 kilohertz mode, you would need a multi-sync BVM, but uh, as long as you have one, now you don't have to worry. Um, I haven't tried the production version of retro gaming cables. Um, the prototype that I was sent has the same sync combining issue in 480p that every other solution I've tried has on BVMs. So just to be specific, if you're only going into an OSSC, only going into a FrameMeister, you don't have to worry about this at all. It's, this uh, sync combining issue is really only a thing for BVM or I believe 480p PVM owners as well. So if you need one right now, I believe uh, the Retro Access ones are in their normal stock, and uh, it definitely works on all of them. I'll keep everybody posted as to the other solutions, but as of now, the only mass-produced SCART solution, today at least, that will work on every device, including BVMs, is that Retro Access cable. And speaking of Dreamcast, the Behar brothers have just announced the Kuro Plus, which is another one of their Dreamcast, VGA, and SCART boxes. Even though it's called the Kuro, it's more like a stripped-down Toro. So imagine a Toro without the scanliner switch on there. Um, in my opinion, this box is for people that use both PVMs that are only 15 kilohertz as well as VGA monitors, because you get both solutions, SCART and VGA. You can use the built-in sync combiner to output SCART to things like the OSSC or the FrameMeister, 
But much like all of the other solutions I've seen out there, if you're going into a BVM, you would need to put this solution into something like an Xtron RGB interface and then into your BVM. So overall, I still am a huge fan of the Behar Brothers products. Um, it's just as time goes on and as more people make things, um, each thing, each device seems to have its own specific use now. So while I was for a long time using just the Toro for everything Dreamcast related, at the moment, um, I, while I don't have a Kuro Plus, I'll probably be getting one soon. And that's what I'll use to go to a VGA monitor, um, or if I really just need one, one solution that could take care of both. Whereas if you have a total SCART setup and everything you have is SCART into a BVM, the Retro Access one might be better for you. Or, of course, whatever else comes out in the future that is able to handle all this stuff. I'm still waiting for the production versions of the HD Retrovision, which should be fine as well, and add yet another use case for Dreamcast. So, of course, I'm sure you're all expecting me to say this. I'm always excited and happy that there are more solutions and more choices for people. Uh, and the more of these things that we get, just the easier it becomes for all of us. Because there's always somebody with an odd use case that needs that one thing, and we're starting to get to the point where we all have that now. So... Um, awesome news for gamers, and it's cool to see the Behar brothers really um, still kicking it into gear and putting out good products, even though there's competition these days. So, Dreamcast fans, you have a lot of awesome output choices now. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, the spiritual successor to Symphony of the Night, Castlevania, just had a new trailer and an official release date. It'll be released June 25th on the Switch, and one week earlier, June 18th, on the PS4, Xbox One, Steam, and good old games. I gotta say, as much as I'm excited, or I was excited for this game, I'm even more excited now, because this has got to be one of the coolest trailers I've ever seen. Uh, it's funny, it uh, legitimately addresses everybody's concerns, and explains in no uncertain terms why the game was delayed, and all of the different changes that were made to it. I've never seen such an awesome, funny, and yet tasteful and respectful way of showing everybody, hey, we've listened, don't worry, we got this, and you know, you'll be, now you'll be very happy with the results. So if the game is half as good as the trailer is making it look, I'm going to be uh, you know, thrilled to play it. Uh, I just did the pre-order for the Switch version, hoping that it's pretty good. Um, and to be honest with you, I think I may have pre-ordered it before, so maybe I'll have two showing up. I don't know, but... While I was very much looking forward to this game, now I'm really excited for the game. So good job for that entire team of people, and especially the people that did that trailer, because that's just killer. Next is our first contribution from Cosmic Katamari. He wanted to show people how to approach repros and making your own repros from a cover art point of view. So we have two of Voltar's designs now being released, as well as the videos to accompany them that show people how to make their own repros and patch their own games. But what if you just got a cartridge and you don't have the box or anything that comes with it? Um, Cosmic Katamari went through and showed how to make really good repro art for universal gaming cases, which is pretty neat because a lot of us that collect, if you have the space, you really want to display it and have something nice to look at. So you feel like you own it. You don't just know you own it. For me, I have everything in boxes and shelves and cabinets and stuffed everywhere I can just because I need. <laughs> I just want to be able to keep it. Um, but if someday I do get a big enough place to display all this stuff, uh, I would like something. Um, a lot of people love the universal game cases. Um, sometimes there's different display methods like what we had last week with Greg and being able to display cartridges that way. But 
Uh, it's just cool that this is out there, and thanks very much for the contribution. Yehel from Wrestling With Gaming just posted his X-Band documentary that he's been working on for almost a year now, and it was absolutely awesome. The story of the hardware, which was totally groundbreaking for its time, was good enough, but the team of people behind it were awesome, and I think the whole way that Yehel captured it and made this into the documentary really made it something that was interesting and fun to watch. And I'll be totally honest, when I saw it come to the end, even though it was over an hour long, I was genuinely sad that it was over. I really wanted to see more about the team and... You know, I guess I wanted a better ending, you know, which obviously is not Yehel's fault. He didn't write the history of X-Band, but um, it's kind of cool. It, uh, it definitely was made in a way that made me want to root for the product. And I do remember seeing it as a kid. I remember seeing all the ads for it. And the only reason we didn't own one is because we found out that if I got one and I wanted a game against Cousin Scott, it would be a long-distance call. So we obviously said no to that. There's no way we could have afforded that, so... Uh, either way, if you're a fan of, of either video game hardware or just good documentaries, I strongly recommend checking it out because it's just absolutely awesome. John Linneman just posted a DF Retro episode that compares the new Switch version of Virtua Racing to all of the previous. Um, it was awesome as usual, and some of the most interesting things that I didn't know was... The original Virtua Racing arcade machine utilized a widescreen 16x9 CRT. For whatever reason, the arcades that I went to as a kid just never had that one, so I never realized it. Or I guess if I did, I didn't notice, but I'm a nerd. I kind of feel like I would have. So, um, you know, I definitely don't remember playing Virtua Racing in the arcade, and it was really cool to see all of them compared that way, and how the Switch compares to all of that. It was also really neat for me to see the PlayStation 2 version being rendered in high def through emulation, which is something that, you know, here with my stand-up desk messing around with everything, emulation is just not something I could enjoy. I want to, but it just, you know, the way I have my stuff set up, um, whenever I use emulation, it's for testing or to just get footage, which you'll see later on. But, um, you know, it does kind of remind me of what could be done if... Uh, the right work was done and if the, you know, in the right situation. So, you know, in the past few weeks, obviously I've been talking a lot more about emulation with people still not believing how much of a fan I am of it, which is weird to me because my first website ever was all dedicated to console emulation on PCs back in the 486 days. So whatever. But um, that really struck me was how good the PlayStation 2 version of Virtua Racing could look. But overall, I just, you know, it's a typical awesome DF Retro episode. And for people who would also like another perspective on it, Genovi posted a Virtua Racing video about a year ago that was similar in comparison, but obviously it was before the Switch version was released. Um, and I really loved that one as well. So if you're a fan of the game, which I obviously am because I'm rambling about it, uh, I would actually recommend watching both of those videos. So awesome to see it and... Uh, this is the type of thing where I would love to see limited-run games step up and bring this to the U.S. in a cartridge version. So, fingers crossed, let's hope they can make that happen, if they're even interested, I guess. But, either way, great videos, and I'm dying to try the Switch version. I'm very excited and proud to announce that Video Games New York will be powering the Virtual Boy livestream tonight. After the podcast last week, I got everything set up and did a test stream... And everything was perfect. The stream looked great. The live RGB monitor for people that were watching looked great. And the Virtual Boys were fully refurbished and in mint condition. 
But then I realized that these are 25 years old, and even though they're in mint condition, what could happen? <laughs> so I made a few calls, and Video Games New York really stepped up to the plate. They're bringing two Virtual Boys, each with a Virtual Tap installed in it, as well as another Link cable, and a few other controllers and stuff like that. So now we are completely covered. Um, unless lightning strikes and destroys all of the equipment, we have backups, we have everything ready to go, and it should be a solid live stream. And once again, for all the haters out there, just wait to see it before you shit on it. I guarantee that 99% of the people that posted negative stuff have definitely never played the Street Fighter version of Virtual Boy and probably never even used a Virtual Boy itself. So, you know, I can't really say anything to that other than come down and try it yourself because it's way better of an experience than you would imagine. And if you can't make it, at least tune into the live stream because I'll be going the whole time that NLBC is running. Um, and I think even just seeing how other people experience it might change your mind. Of course, not every game on the Virtual Boy is good, just like not every game on every console is good. But I love Hyper Fighting, and uh, I even really love Mario Tennis on it. So we'll see what we can do. We'll get the link cables hooked up, get some head-to-head -head action. But anybody who shows up could watch live on the RGB monitor, and anybody that wants to stream is going to get the 720p stream from the VGA output. So... I'm really excited to make this happen, and I can't wait to see how it turns out. Jimmy Hoppe recently posted a video about Cats Run, a Super Famicom racing game that, to me, seemed like a cross between F-Zero and Super Mario Kart, but it utilized the full screen like F-Zero does, as opposed to only the top like Mario Kart. And while I'm obviously a fan of Jimmy's work and a little bit biased, the video really did catch my eye, both because the game seemed like something that was at least worth a few minutes of my time to play it, um, but also because I noticed it used Mode 7, and now you could render Mode 7 graphics in HD with BeastNess. So I was able to try it out, and uh, it looked exactly as good as you would expect. Um, you know, I did the rendering in 960p, so 4x, uh, I probably should have gone higher and just to see what it could do, but I really just wanted to do as best I could in a short period of time. And then I also uh, did a quick video capture where I just did a screen capture of the emulation. Um, and anybody that's interested, the video is live up on YouTube. It's linked right next to Jimmy's video in this post. And I thought it was very cool, and I loved the way the HD backgrounds looked alongside of just the standard 240p regular graphics. Um, it also shows how terrible I am at playing video games with a stand-up desk and a keyboard on an emulator while trying to record. So uh, feel free to go right ahead and laugh at my terrible driving in this game. But um, anybody that's even slightly interested in this stuff, definitely give it a watch because you could see what really could be done with some awesome new emulation things that are out there. So pretty exciting and, you know, it was a pretty fun game. Um, Jimmy seemed to like it as well and said there wasn't too much replay value. But, you know, at least you still get a chance to run through the game a few times. And, of course, he gave his usual spin on everything as well as some tips and tricks. So even if you're just slightly into Super Famicom or Super Nintendo Racers or you just want to see the Mode 7 HD stuff, check this one out. Modern Vintage Gamer just posted a great video about the Xbox Open Source Video Project, or XOSVP. Acronym doesn't really roll off your tongue like OSSC or anything, but... Anyway, it is an open source project dedicated to getting the best analog signal out of your Xbox. 
So with the prices of the official HD solution going up all the time, um, I guess people really wanted to do their best to get a solution out there that could last, that people could continue to make themselves, as well as purchase pre-made. Um, it looks like it outputs component video in all of the original resolutions that the Xbox supports. Uh, and it also looks like it has a low-pass filter built in, which is really awesome because that's something I've been testing more and more these days. And whenever you're going to any kind of analog video over to a flat screen or digital solution, it, uh, it's noticeable when you use one. I even have a prototype of the new uh, component to DVI adapters that not only was I using to capture, I was testing this on my OLED just using a DVI to RCA cheap adapter on the other side. And in using this, uh, things like 480p and 720p from consoles looked clearer on the TV because it filtered out all of the analog interference that you might see with stuff like that. So from testing this thing, I could say that if the filter inside the XOSVP is decent, um, you'll get a performance boost just from that. I'm not sure how much and I'm not sure how many people's TVs you'd be able to see a difference, but that alone got me excited because it's something I'd spent a lot of time with lately. The only downside of the project is there doesn't seem to be any analog audio output. There is a SPDIF output, um, and I have links to an, uh, a splitter and switch that I've been using. There's plenty out there, but the one that I found allows for a bunch of different inputs, and it outputs SPDIF, digital coax, as well as um, RCA left and right, and 3.5 millimeter. So anybody that wants, um, that wants to do that conversion can. Uh, I guess this was designed for people that have some kind of digital audio solution as well, which, you know, technically is the best audio you can get from the Xbox. But overall, this looks like a great project. Um, Modern Vintage Gamer did a great job in the comparison, so I recommend watching the video if you're interested. Um, the only thing, a point that he had made a few times in the video, if you use this with some junky RCA cable solution, it's pointless. You might as well just use some crappy component cables you can get off of Amazon. You really need to use good shielded cables, uh, like we always talk about, because anytime you have analog video signals, anything could interfere with it. So I, of course, left links to the well-shielded and well-made HD retrovision cables, which are just uh, male RCA to male RCA component video cables. Um, those will definitely be good, and I think there's a few others for people interested. Also, uh, you could buy them pre-made for $35 or get the do-it-yourself kit for $15, which is great. Um, both are sold out at the moment. I'm sure Modern Vintage Gamer have something to do with that, but um, it's very reasonably priced. So overall, I think it's a great project, and I think it's a great stepping stone for people that are waiting for any kind of cool new digital solution to come out, which I believe is far away. Uh, but before that happens, I think this is a great solution for people, um, and certainly way easier than trying to do some of the VGA mods I'd seen over the years. I had a few people in the past few days contact me about a video that was asking if you could de-yellow plastic using just the sun. I guess there's a YouTuber out there that contacted a few scientists that are experts on plastic polymers um, and did a few experiments with just leaving plastic out in direct sunlight to see if that would make it lighter. Um, and the different scientists and the different people that he talked to would do things like put a towel over half of a keyboard, leave it in the sun all day, then move the towel over a little more and a little more so you could see um, how the length of time in the sun made the biggest difference across this whole yellowed piece of plastic. 
And to be honest, that all makes sense to me. Um, one of the things that they talked about is only the first few very tiny layers of plastic were actually yellowed. So using things like plastic polish, which will scuff up your consoles, by the way, but using things like that might actually just get the yellow off because you're kind of scraping away those first few microscopic layers. Um, just a word of advice, though, something like a Super Nintendo that has that textured plastic, you would smooth that right out if you used any kind of abrasive polish. Um, so I don't recommend doing that, but it was kind of curious for me because... You know, definitely the UV rays from the sun are what plays a giant part in, um, in lightening things up. I mean, for all the years I rode motorcycles, I would leave, like, the first ride of the spring or summer, I'd leave in the morning with just sunglasses, t-shirt, and shorts, and I'd come back, and not only would my hair be lighter, all my arm hair would turn blonde, like, it was just being in the sun did lighten things. Um, it's my guess that things like the bleaching agents that are used in, uh, like, the Salon 5, um, just kind of accelerate the process and add to the whitening. So just as an experiment, I took a Famicom that a friend of mine just sent me, which has yellowed parts to it, and I took a picture of it in a, a dark room with just a fluorescent light on. Now, as we speak, it has been sitting in the sun and direct sunlight outside for a few hours, um, and by the time it gets dark tonight, it should probably be at least six hours in direct sunlight. And I'll uh, edit this post and take a picture at least by the time this airs, of what it would look like after six hours in the sun. Um, also, the next really bright day, while I haven't ever done too many uh, retro bright experiments, I think I only did one, to be honest, um, I will take the Famicom apart, clean it up, and do a more traditional uh, salon care style like Voltar showed a while back, and see how much of a difference that makes in the same six-hour time period in the sun. I don't know when I can get to that because I checked the weather report and it looks like cloudy for the next couple of days. So maybe by next week's podcast, I'd have an update from, you know, how it looks now, how it looked after sitting in the sun, and then how it looked after the same amount of time in the sun, but with that salon care retro bright solution on it. So kind of interesting, but I'm hoping for some decent results. And I'm also looking forward to restoring that Famicom. Well, that's it for this week. I really hope to see as many of you as can make it tonight at Next Level, because I'm obviously really excited about this. And, of course, thank you to all the people that really stepped up and made this happen. Of course, thanks to all the supporters as well, because without you, none of these things could happen. So, uh, as always, I'm much appreciated across any platform. And I guess that's it. I'll see you next week.